up in the air. The Southwest flight circled Albany Airport, unable to land due to dense fog. It was already close to midnight. We'd been sitting up in the air for over half an hour. Sorry, folks, said the captain. Looks like we're going to have to take you all over to Syracuse. The whole plane groaned through their masks. I struck up a conversation with the older woman next to me. I'd admired her chic tote, and we'd smiled earlier over our matching Kindles. She told me she and her husband were visiting from San Diego. I told her I'd just been to see my daughter in Los Angeles. Are you retired, she asked. When an older person thinks you're in the same club, well, it makes you take a good hard look at yourself. Remember my last post where I swore I would take that trip without my guitar and enjoy it? Well, I had. I'd flown out of Albany a mere week before, amazed at fellow upstate New Yorkers dressed in shorts and flip-flops to fly, even though the temperature when I parked in the economy lot was hovering just around freezing. A brief layover in Chicago. You can't fly anywhere you really want to go from Albany except maybe Chicago and clear skies all the way across the Grand Canyon to California. Hazel picked me up at Burbank Airport, driving so ably in her sporty Honda CRV. It was great to see her adapting to her West Coast life. We bought pastries at Porto's, marveling at the low prices and kindness of the counter staff. Then we took a walk around the reservoir in Silver Lake. The temperature was perfect. People were smiling. Welcome to L.A. It was so good to be there. The Airbnb I'd booked for a few nights had a stunning view across the hills all the way to the Hollywood sign. The turntable, much heralded in the listing, didn't work, and neither did the Wi-Fi, standard Airbnb style over substance. But the host did come down and, and try to get a record to play through the speakers. He failed at that, but managed to make the Wi-Fi happen. Hazel and I walked around Little Tokyo in downtown L.A. and put our name in at Hamasushi. Is that your mother? She's nice looking, a bum walking past said, not to Hazel, but to a guy that looked like Hazel's much older brother who was standing nearby, referring to me. Hey, it's a compliment, the bum said. He must have caught the shattered expression on my face. I'm not just a mother, but the mother of a strange grown-ass adult man in the world's eyes. The pandemic has laid to waste any remaining shred of hope I could still pass for a vaguely age-indeterminate. Ouch. But what's the alternative? Everywhere I turn, I see reminders of heroes and friends no longer with us. The Hollywood Bowl, where Tom Petty played his last show. The street where Don Heffington lived. Sights of past glories. In an Uber, I pass the Iliad bookshop that stood next to the studio where I recorded a lot of my first album. Hazel and I met up with Roger Trilling, one of my oldest friends, at the Red Lion, a long-running German brew house Roger and I used to frequent in the 90s. We had a drink at the Dresden, and I got a little misty, remembering the times I'd seen Marty and Elaine tearing it up in there. Drove by the former site of the Ambassador Hotel, where my parents had seen Steve and Edie at the Coconut Grove, and where Robert Kennedy was assassinated. So long ago, a school stands there now.
In typical New Yorker fashion, I declared, I'll take a walk and get us some breakfast from the Airbnb high up on a hill in Silver Lake. I knew parking on such a steep street wasn't an option, but surely walking is always possible. I misjudged my GPS directions and went down the wrong side of the hill and then was faced with a choice, either call my daughter and tearfully beg her to come pick me up. It's mom. I've walked down and I can't get up or scale the incredibly steep hill to right my wrongs so I could carry on down the other side to a bakery I'd scoped out. Now I grew up in Pittsburgh, so I thought I'd seen and walked every kind of hill there is, but this was insane. I was nearly on my hands and knees for some of the climb, zigzagging for part of it, crying and whimpering. Nobody saw me because nobody is ever out on the streets anyways in LA unless they're busy running, but I knew. I used to be quite good at this thing called travel, I said. A sunny late afternoon in Malibu was a great reviver. We stumbled on the Adamson House at Malibu Lagoon, a 1920s gem of old tile and Southern California landscaping. Hazel drove us back through Brentwood and Beverly Hills, and I found myself repeating the phrase my dad had used to describe my driving skills a few months back. You're a regular Joey Chitwood which made way less sense to Hazel than it had to me, and I'd had to really forge in my memory to locate a long-ago figure of racing lore. A trip to the desert was a good way to blow the cobwebs out. Like way too many places, I've been there. But aside from a pointless gig at a coffee shop and a mystical stay in Graham Parsons' room at the Joshua Tree Inn, my desert memories are scarce, and I looked forward to having Hazel show me stuff as she's spending lots of time out there. It was fun stopping in Palm Springs for a classic coffee shop meal at Billy Reed's, which Hazel declared looked like your parents' house. It did have that stuck-in-the-early-70s flair with faux Tiffany lamps, dark wood, ceramic knickknacks, and plants aplenty. My parents' house, the house I grew up in, sold in the year 2000, lives forever in my daughter's mind, like my grandparents' house does in mine. We listened to fantastic dance radio station K-Gay out of Palm Springs on the drive to Yucca Valley, bumped along a dirt road for a mile or two to stay with Hazel's boyfriend in full desert glory, the nearest neighbors a vague notion rather than a visual reality. It was spectacular out there in a rustic way. We hiked at Joshua Tree, Tried to watch the new West Side Story, which just made me want to watch the old West Side Story, even though I might have to try it again. I smoked weed, saw Pioneer Town, did yoga on the desert floor, keeping an eye out for scorpions and snakes. We went to a swap meet, and I found a hippie-ish batik skirt to wear for the new life I planned for me and Eric, where we lived in a desert shanty. Apparently, that's everybody's imagined new life, as there's not a shanty to be had out there anymore. Hazel and I drove up to Big Bear, which was spectacular and snowy. Wait, you're in California and you're looking at snow, said Eric from snowy New York. What are you, crazy? And on to Lake Arrowhead, which reminded me a little of that Simpsons episode with the stonecutters, like there was some kind of slightly evil entity in control of the lake and everything and everyone around it. But we stayed in this cool old ramshackle hotel called the Saddleback Inn, where neither of us slept well. There was a mysterious closet with the beginnings of a flight of steps toward the back that just felt unsettling. But isn't this why we travel? To wonder about things that don't matter and forget things that do and then remember they matter again with renewed force. 
It was nice to have a chance to talk, and it was also fun to listen to the music Hazel brought along on the trip. I feel so stuck in the past with what I listen to sometimes, relying on music to wrap me in a warm, familiar blanket rather than challenge me. Back in L.A., I stayed with friends Toby and Clyde. I'd played at their house back in November 2019, one of my last house concerts before things shut down. It was nice to visit with them, and we took a walk around the neighborhood and saw the house where Leonard Cohen lived and also Muhammad Ali. Hazel and I hiked up to Griffith Park Observatory and enjoyed the beauty of Huntington Gardens in Pasadena. We ate some wonderful food and drank nice cocktails here and there. I kept wishing I had a better wardrobe. My upstate New York clothes felt too utilitarian for sunny, breezy L.A. I ran into a friend or two and wished I could hang out in Los Angeles more often, for longer. Flying back home, I changed planes in Chicago again. It was St. Patrick's Day, and Midway Airport was filled with people in shiny green boas, green top hats, and athletic shirts. The whole time I was traveling, Eric's voice lodged in my head, making his usual funny remarks, and the voice went into overdrive now, doing a fake but convincing Irish brogue. Is that just marriage, especially after two years of essentially seeing hardly anyone else for any length of time? You begin to wonder what thoughts are yours, who you are out in the world, all of that. It was letting a genie just a little bit out of the bottle, going out west. I wrote about not knowing who I am out on the road without a guitar, and part of it is just as a person who used to travel around all the time on my own. I'd met some of Hazel's friends at a gallery opening and introduced myself as Hazel's mom, not even bothering to add my own name at the end. Like it wouldn't come out. It felt too strange. Amy. No guitar, no husband, just a mom of a full-grown child at large in the world. No wonder I don't know what to wear anymore. So, are you? The older woman with the chic tote and the Kindle in the airplane seat next to me said. Retired? Like a trial lawyer, I jumped to my own defense as a working person. Retired? Me? Never. I heaped on all the evidence. The guitar I left at home, which usually traveled by my side. Gigs to come. No pension or IRA. How I'd work till I die. I had to do it. To still feel like someone. An entity. Out there in the world. Up in the air. You've been listening to Diary of Amy Rigby. This is episode 20. It's one year since I started doing this podcast, and I really appreciate you listening. Um, Who says I am retired? Who says I don't do any work? I really enjoy writing and recording this show. Got plenty more work coming down the pipeline. More songs, recording, writing, live performance. 
And I look forward to sharing it all with you. Thanks again.